0: Well, good morning. good morning. Good morning. How you doing this morning? Good. good. Welcome to our Savior's Church. If you're a first-time guest, guest with us, we just want to celebrate you a little bit this morning. Come on, church. Celebrate our guest. We're glad you made it this morning. We want you to know only good-looking people come to our Savior's Church. So if it's your first time here, you must be good-looking. Amen. Come on. He didn't give you an ugly pastor, so he's only going to let you good-looking people come around a good-looking pastor. Amen? Oh, y'all made me feel good. You made me feel good. If, if you're a first-time guest, by the way, we have a card on the back of the seat in front of you that you can fill out and give to one of our good-looking ushers after church. And just put your information on there. We, we may want to contact you and just get a record of you being here. So, everybody's doing good today? Yes. Come on, is it raining outside? Yes. We, we need a little bit of rain. I, I sowed some seed this week, and I need it to rain on my seed. Right? I mean, some of you sowed seed this morning, some financial seed. You need a little rain on it. I need a little rain on my ryegrass. Is that okay? And my red clover and my mustards and my turnips. So anyway, we could use a little rain. Well, welcome this morning. We're going uh, to start a new series today entitled Legacy. We're going to talk the next couple of weeks about leaving a legacy. If you don't know what a legacy is, a legacy is actually something that you leave to the next generation. It could be financial... It could be spiritual, it could be relational, it could be moder- it could be physical, you can leave houses, you can leave inheritances, you could leave a good reputation. There's a lot of things that can be classified as a legacy, right? Now here's the, here's the, the thing that I want you to get today is that you're going to leave a legacy one way or the other. It's either going to be a good legacy or it's going to be a bad legacy. You're either going to be proud to say I'm the, parent, I'm the, I'm the, the, the child of so and so are you going to be like, no, mm, who's your mom and daddy? We'll we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Some of you got family like that, and I'm sorry for you. feel sorry for me too. But I remember one time being pulled over by the cops, and I didn't want to tell the cop my last name. He was like, what's your last name? I ain't telling you. (laughs) I told him, and good thing he was a friend of the family. (laughs) I got out. We're all going to leave a legacy behind, right? I'll share a quick story, which just popped into my head. It was one time my mom, my mom had many speeding tickets. My mom was a fast lady. Many speeding tickets, and and growing up, I just knew how to move fast. I mean, that's all it was. I couldn't run fast, but I could drive fast. So growing up, I'm driving fast, and one day I'm coming home from work, and I was living in Franklin at the time, and I'm on Highway 90 in front of Patouville Sugars, and a cop pulls me over. It's a Friday. You know how it is on Friday. You want to get home, cash your check, and go what? Party. Right? So, man, I'm in a rush to get home. I'm, I'm speeding down the highway. Cop pulls me over. I got my uncle and another guy in the truck. And I get back there, and he says, let me see your license. I give him my license. He says, Jamie Tyler. I said, yes, sir. He said, do you know Virginia Tyler? <laughs> yeah, I was mean, like, I, I was going to boo <laughs> I'm getting out of this one. He knows my mom. I was like, "Whoo!" I said, yes, sir, just as proud as I could. I said, yes, sir, that's my mom. And he didn't say anything. And I went, man, I got to stir this back up. I mean, you know how you start thinking. I was like, so, so, officer, how do you know my mom? He said, well, I don't know her personally, but I just wrote her up about an hour ago. (laughs) My mom left a legacy. And I've paid for it for generations. But we're going to leave a legacy. And today I want to talk to you about living beyond yourself. Just think about that for a minute. I just want you right now just to let go of this past week, okay? It's done. The week's gone, okay? Some of you may have fought till you got in the parking lot at church. Let that go. I'm not exempt. That happens to me from time to time. Just let that go. Today I want you to start thinking about living beyond yourself. Living beyond yourself. How can you live beyond yourself? How can you leave a legacy to the next generation? What are you leaving behind? just want to get you thinking in the right direction this morning. We're going somewhere. We're going to leave a legacy. Do you know that as a church, we're going to leave a legacy in this region? We've made a footprint in this city and the surrounding areas. You know we've got more people in this church from outside the city than we actually do inside the city. To me, that's a footprint. See, I'm a flat-footed man. When I walk in the mud barefooted, I leave a print. That, I'm the guy those people been chasing at night. Sosh something, sosh, uh, sash something. Anyway, I throw them off every now and then. But we're gonna leave a legacy. How many of you feel younger than your age? Raise your hand. Good. How many of you feel older than your age? Raise your hand. How many of you are like, just change the topic? <laughs> Thought so. Started thinking this week about, about the next 20 years. What does the next 20 years look like for me? I'm, I'm, I'm approaching 40, and I'm going, man, you know, if, if, if I live to be 80, I'm halfway through my life. So these thoughts start going, okay, halftime. I'm an old football player. Halftime. What happens at halftime? You go in and the coach chews you out for what you did wrong. Tells you what you need to do right the next time. And so he sends you out the second half so that you hopefully win the game, right? Well, I'm looking at halftime right now and I'm going, okay, how am I going to live the next 40 years of my life? Because can I be honest with you? The first 40 wasn't all that great. Except for maybe the last 15. The rest of it wasn't that good. Are you with me? And some of you share that same story, right? And some of you are sitting here today going, you know what? I blew it the first half, but listen to me. There's a second half coming. It's not over with yet. You can still leave a good legacy. Are you with me? You may need to change a few things. You may need to look at things a little differently. You may need to get around some different people. You may need to get a different perspective about your relationship with God. You may need to get healthy in some areas, but let me tell you something. You can finish strong. started thinking about the next generation, you know, what is, what has God got in store for us as a church? I mean, we've been here right at five, almost six years now, and I'm going, okay, God, what do you have for us as a church? How are we going to impact this region? Lost May, Bazile, Lawtel, Prudom, Chaitanya, I might, I might end up cussing with all these words, but just, I didn't mean to, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We've got, God's given this one particular church, a region to touch, Right? And we're going to reach that region. At staff meeting this week, Pastor Bubba shared a vision. He casted vision to us about where we're going as a church. You know, we're, we're just a campus of another church, of our Jennings Church. And his vision, and this might blow you away, but his vision, his goal is to plant 10 churches in this region. That's crazy. I'm sitting there going, okay, we, go, okay, we can go to Abbeyville, plant a church in Abbeyville. We can plant a church in Crowley, that's coming up in about a year. Uh, we can go to Villeplat. Vilplat may can handle the church. Then we, you know, Alexandria, and they kind of go, uh eh. they got some crazy folk in Alexandria. <laughs> a lot of headquarters in Alexandria. <laughs> Maybe we'll go outside of Alexandria. But then I'm going, okay, what, what are we going to hit? Welsh, Gaidon, Lottel? I mean, like, Pastor, 10 churches? He's like, 10 churches. It's like, I like crazy. Let's go with it. I'm in, let's go 10 churches. The good news is that we get to be the first one, right? So in reality, we get to leave a legacy for Crowley. Some of you are going to be called or asked by me to go and help start the church in Crowley. And I hope you just smile and say, yes, sir. (laughs) No problem, pastor. Been praying for a church in Crowley. Want to get a new preacher. That's fine. I'm good with that. Huh. But we're going to hand this church to the next generation. I'm sitting here going, okay, who's going to be the pastor when I'm gone? Is it going to be one of my sons or daughters? Is it going to be a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter that I raise up? Who am I going to leave this church to? Are you with me? Who's going to run sound and media? Who's going, to, who's going to lead worship? 20 years from now, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? So I'm thinking about all these things, the next generation, a legacy. Who am I leaving this to? What's going to happen next? Am I leaving it? Well, you see, if you don't ever ask those questions, then you just presume or assume. And you know what the anyway, you know what assume means. You either assume that you're doing a good job, but if you don't ever stop and just get real with yourself and say, you know what, am I really leaving a good legacy? Ask yourself the hard questions. What is my attitude like? What am I doing to actually leave a legacy? Am I actually intentionally pouring into other people to leave a legacy? Because you see, if you don't ever ask those questions and you just assume. Right? And we all know assuming gets you in trouble. Ephesians 4, 1, I'm sorry, Psalms one twelve says that a righteous man will be remembered forever. A righteous man will be remembered forever. Can I tell you something? One of my visions and my personal goals is that my children's children's children will know about Papa. Amen. You see, I'm getting 40. I got to start using that. I never use that word Papa for myself. But Papa. Man, my papa was a big man. He raised them pigs and them chickens, and he preached the gospel. And he gave to folks, and he loved people. You with me? You know what I can say about my papa? That he was a big man who never changed his attitude. He was born rough, and he died rough. And I, I, my prayer coming up was like, "Lord, make me like my papa, but make me like my papa in the spirit. I want to be strong in the spirit. I want to kill legions of demons in the spirit. I want to pull demons out of people's lives, Lord. Just like my papa was a ruthless man in the natural, I want to be a ruthless man in the spirit. Amen. But then I had to pray, Lord, help me to flesh that out right, because <laughs> I I'd almost want to grab you by the shirt collar." It don't work. (laughs) I'm learning that you can say, Satan, leave in the name of Jesus. I'm like, man, I ain't got to get my blood pressure up. (laughs) This is good. A righteous man will be remembered forever. I don't want my children to be embarrassed about me. You with me? Ephesians four one says, "I urge you to leave a, live a life worthy of the calling you have received." God's got a calling for every one of us. Say this: "Say I have, I have a calling. You have a calling. Every single breathing person in this building has a calling from God. You weren't created just to stay who you are for the rest of your life. Amen. You have a calling. It doesn't matter your age or your stage. You've got a calling." The question is, is when are you going to answer the call? Some people say, well, I'm waiting on God. God's going to know I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you just to step out the boat, Peter. You keep saying, Lord, ask me to come, ask me to come. But when are you going to step out the boat? I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Man, what has God called you to do? Who has he called you to be? Who are the people that he's called you to reach? Can I tell you something? And this sounds funny, but I'm passionately in love with men. There, confession, I came out the closet. (laughs) I love men. When I think about the church, when I pray for this church, I see you men when I pray. I don't see your wives. I see you. Because I know if you get right, and you get on fire, and you serve Jesus right, then the rest of the family is going to line up. Amen. I look at these young boys like Dorian, and I go, man, that's the next generation. He's a man of God. I'm, I'm speaking stuff over him. What's up, man of God? I'm speaking it. My son. What's up, man of faith? It might sound a little kooky and weird, but you know what? I believe it's working. Let me let you in on a secret. They're doing the same thing to your kids right now. We're in the brainwashing business. (laughs) I urge you, he says, to live a life worthy of your calling. There was a psychologist in 1943 named Abraham Maslow. He came up with a theory of what motivated humans. He figured out what motivated us as humans. And he came up with five things, but there's actually more since then that have evolved. But he came up to what, what motivates you is the question. What gets you going? What puts the gas in your tank or puts the foot on the pedal in your life? Is it when things go bad and you finally get enough that you rise up and you start praying? Is it when things are only going good that you love Jesus? What is the thing that motivates you? Is it when you get scared? Or do you love Jesus only when you're happy? You see what I'm saying? So I want to talk about eight things, eight needs that we have that motivate us. Number one, we have physical needs. You've got a need for food, water, right? Shelter, etc. you got physical needs, blue bell. Everybody needs a little blue bell. (laughs) 85% of the people in America have this need being met in their life right now. That's a good thing. Number two, you have safety needs. Everyone needs protection from the elements. That's why we lock our doors at night and we lock our cars, right? Because we want, we want a protection. We have this need to protect this need for safety. Okay. Those things motivate you. It motivates you to get up and double check. If you lock the door, by the way, at my house, there's usually three of us that end up checking the door. I mean, my wife checks it then I check it. And then if I forget, I might check it again. Why? Because I have this need to sleep. I have the ministry of sleep. I just want you to know that. Number three, we have love needs. We have the need to be loved and to belong to something, right? That's why people join country clubs and and sporting teams and come to church is because we have a need to feel love, right? Everybody wants a little love, right? I woke up this morning. I want a little love. I just want somebody to love me. I walked in and somebody said my shirt looked good. I was like, "Ha! you're filling up my tank, my love tank. That's why Facebook and Twitter are so popular because people just want to feel love. They have this need for love. 50% of people in America have this need being met. We have esteem needs. We want to be told we're doing a good job, right? Everybody loves a good attaboy, Right? I mean, listen, you want to get my goat? You say, man, I preach that's as a good word today. <laughs> Thankful. <laughs> say a couple of amens during the message. I might just preach better. <laughs> I like a little esteem. Can I just be honest with you this morning? Amen. People that matter don't judge, but people that judge don't matter. You know what's funny is when we look in the mirrors, women see everything wrong with them and men see everything that they think is right with them. Right? A woman will look in the mirror and she goes, Oh, I got these wrinkles right here. And this and oh my goodness, and my, look at my hips. And I, I'll get in the mirror and I'm like, Shoot, man, I got it going on. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you. Guys, I don't know how you keep your hands off of me. <laughs> Control yourself, woman. That's just the way it is, right? I mean, some people choose to see flaws. I just choose to see the good things. Now, most time I'm looking at my ankles because <laughs> let's leave that alone. Number five, we have learning needs. We all want to learn something. We want to we we know what, how things are made, right? That's why Discovery Channel is so popular because people just have this need to want to learn. How's that made? What's this like? What's going to happen there? Who she said that about? What she, you know what I'm talking about. Then we have these artistic needs. I don't know if I have that one. They have an appreciation for beauty, right? And nature. Evidently, Sumery's got an artistic need. She's, she's wanting me to preach more on artistic, never mind. That's why we decorate our homes and we cut our grass and we play at flowers, right? Then we have number seven, we have these purpose needs. It's, it's a need to know why you exist. Everybody has a need to want to know why you exist. Why am I here? Why am I on this planet? Why am I in Eunice, Louisiana? Why am I in Lost Meg? Why did I come from Franklin, Louisiana? I'm like, Lord, couldn't you have planted me somewhere that's better? Why am I here? Why did I come to this church? Couldn't I go into a bigger church? We have this need for purpose. Only 2% of people in America, 2% of people in America know what their purpose is. Wow. 2% of the people know why they're supposed to be on this planet for at the average 75 to 80 years. Why did you give your life to Christ? Was it just for salvation? Or was it to live the abundant life that he promised you to live? What's your purpose? Who are you called to? Those are good questions. You must be thinking hard because you got quiet. That's why we have a next step class. Can I just be honest with you? We have a next step class. We meet on Sunday nights every other month just to get people plugged into the church. We want you to know who we are and where we came from. And we want to know who you are and where you came from. You with me? Because if you can check us out, we can check you out. Amen? And I reserve the right to say you can't come to this church. Never had to use it. But that's why we have Next Step, because we want to take you through a process and get you to the place like this, this one we're having tonight. It's going to be talking about your purpose. Last week, you did a, they did a personality test to learn kind of how they're wired and how they're built and how they're made. And it's, I don't like taking those tests all the time, to be honest with you. But it's good to know a little something about myself, right? Because not everybody's going to be honest with you. Especially when you're a big guy like myself. People are scared to tell you the truth. It's true, hon, James. How much to tell you? People won't tell you the truth about yourself. They're scared. So I take a personality test, then I learn how I'm wired, and then I go, okay, this is what I need to be doing then. I thought I was administrative. I'm not administrative. You with me? But we want you to find your purpose so that you can take off. Because listen, I can preach to you every Sunday and you can come dressed up like you dress. And do everything we need to do on Sundays. But it's not always going to change your life. You change your life when you, dis- when you discover what you're supposed to be doing. Right? It narrows your focus. It gets you into this, into this place where you go, this is what I'm called to do. So what happens after that? You stop trying to be T.D. Jakes. You stop trying to be all these other people and you just be who you're supposed to be and do what you're called to do and the world is a much better place. Purpose is a big thing. You got to know what you're made to do. Number eight is We have a transcendence need. That's a 50 cent word. Transcendence means exceeding usual limits, surpassing, extending, or lying beyond the limits of ordinary experience beyond comprehension. You may not know it, but you have a need to overachieve, right? You have a need to go beyond the normal. Most of you want to make more money than your mom and dad did, right? Y'all must have had some rich folk. Yeah. <laughs> Most of you want to live in a bigger, better house than your parents did, right? Yeah. Most of you want to raise your kids better than your parents raised you, right? Yeah. You have that need. That's that need. You have a need to go beyond what you know, beyond what you've seen, and just to go beyond ordinary limits. Transcend it. You know, if you came to church today and you're looking for a calm church, a nice little cozy place just to come on Sundays, this may not be the right place for you. Because let me tell you something. We're a church planting church. Prophecies have proven that. We listened to Pastor Bubba's prophecy from several months ago. <laughs> he said there's going to be twin cities getting planted out of Jennings. One of them is going to happen almost automatically. And every time you plan a new church, I'm going to bless you. We're the kind of church that we want to touch the region that we've been given. You see, we haven't been given one big city. We've been given multiple cities. And it's okay if we don't have 6,000 people sitting in church today. One day we're going to have six campuses where God only knows how many people sitting in them. We're a church planning church. You know what that means? That means it's hard work. That means it takes sacrifice. That means it takes dedication. Jennings put off building a new addition in Jennings to plant this church right here. Can I tell you something? There was people that got offended by that and left the church. Oh yeah. Because this church was planted. And here's the crazy thing. If if we'd have never planted this church. Jennings would never be what it is today. This campus is a blessing to Jennings now. We did a few things wrong. We went and bought a building before we had people. Okay, chalk that up. Mistake. Don't do that again. It's good to have the people and the tithe before you go buy the building. We chalk it up as faith. We just had a lot of faith. We're never stupid. We just have a lot of faith. But can I tell you, after about three years, this church now is financially doing great. And we're a blessing. So when Crowley comes, that means God's going to bless us all a little bit more. So that we can give more and it's just going to get better and better and better. You seeing what's going on? God wants us to live beyond ourselves. He's telling me this morning, tell the people, get past your problems. Get past your depression. Get past your, your negativity. And live a life that transcends to the next generation. A life that's going to do something positive in the next generation. Take a kid and speak a little life into them. First, you might have to get a little life in you. you sit next to that person, just give them a little, little quiet elbow. Just get a little life in you. We're a church planning church. We're not your normal everyday average church. We build slowly. We build with quality. Let me tell you something right now. Marriages are getting better in this church. The wreck people that walk into this church are getting better. People that are plugged into this church are getting better. They're producing better fruit. How do I know? I'm a fruit inspector. So if you ever catch me looking at you kind of like don't give I'm not there ain't nothing dirty. I'm checking your fruit. <laughs> Especially you guys, okay? <laughs> <laughs> got a little fruit. Not fruit tea, got a little fruit. Get your mind right. Proverbs 9 6 from the message translation says to leave your impoverished confusion and live. Walk up the street to a life with meaning. Whew. That's a verse you could preach on just by itself. Leave your impoverished confusion and live. Walk up the street to a life with meaning. Some of you need to get out of your house that's called yourself. The house of self. You need to get out of that house. You need to take a match and burn that house down. Because let me tell you something. It's not about you. Amen. It's about his calling on your life. It's about his purpose for your life. It's about his kingdom. And we're going to populate heaven. Amen. Where we're going to spend eternity. Not 75 to 80 years. Eternity. eternity no end. You say, oh man, pastor, that's great. I love that. So now what do we do? Number one, (laughs) you love God passionately. How do you live a life that transcends? You love God passionately. Some of you can remember what it was like when you first met your mate. Right? I mean, you like, you brushed your teeth for the full two minutes. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, it was like. You wore good cologne. You bathed an extra five minutes just to make sure you got that dirt out of them creases. Right? I mean, you did what you had to do. You might have even got your clothes ironed, for heaven's sake. Bust out a new pair of tennis shoes or something. Right? You may have even washed the car. For some of you, that's a miracle. But when you you met your mate, man, you were passionate. And listen, some of you, when you met Jesus, you were the same way. He was the greatest thing in your life. Man. And people around you were going crazy. What happened to them? Oh, they turned turning one of them Jesus freaks. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Why'd you stop being freaky? Why'd you lose your passion? Why'd you quit chasing after God? Because he didn't quit chasing after you. He's standing right there saying, come on, champ. Get up i got some good stuff in you. This world needs it. Get past yourself. Love your wife. Raise them kids right. Come on, be a man of God. That's what he's called us to do. He's waiting on us. We're not waiting on him. You getting something yet? I want to make a difference. I want to be a difference maker. To be a difference maker, I can't do it by myself. I gotta have the power of the Holy Spirit in me. Are you hearing me? I gotta have something stronger than me in me. I gotta have a relationship with a loving, breathing, living God. A relationship, the kind you talk every day, the kind you look forward to, the kind you can't wait to get next to. Because you can't do it by yourself, you're not that strong. The Apostle Paul used this argument to win the lost in in Acts chapter 17. It says for one man from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. For God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from each one of us. For in him we live And move and have our being. All of your purpose, all of your potential, all of your calling is found in Christ. What does that mean, Pastor? What does it mean? Found in Christ. I read that in the scriptures. I don't know what that means. It's found in your relationship daily with Christ. You want to know what to do tomorrow? Sit down and talk to Christ. It's simple. We don't have to make it complicated. The closer I am to Jesus, the more of my calling I fulfill. The more of my purpose I accomplish. Are you with me? When I decide to be lazy or distracted or chase other things, I'm not fulfilling my purpose anymore. I'm not not fulfilling my calling anymore. Because why? Because I'm slipping away from Jesus. Why? Because I may want to go make a little extra money. Because I may want to go buy this toy or that toy. And I don't want to go pray to him and ask him for it. I'm going to get it myself. You with me? I'm guilty as charged. I may want to go do this or go see that. And so what happens is I slip away. You kind of, like you do with your parents. You you remember how it was? When you knew you was in trouble, what'd you do? You kind of played in the background, didn't you? It was report card day. Everybody kind of was... At my house, it was like cards. And my cousins would be next door and they'd say, man, what you guys? Can you change them? I got away with that one time. Praise God. (laughs) I won one at least. But I got busted many other times. But he knows exactly where he's got you. He knows exactly the plans he has for you. They're detailed plans. Listen to me. They're detailed plans. And let me flip something over for you right now this morning. Because I honestly, I just looked at some of you men. And you men looked at me kind of like, whatever. I mean, some of you just gave me that look. So you don't make me mad. There is never, ever more adventure Than following Jesus. I've been as high as you can almost get. On drugs and alcohol and everything else. And when I obey Jesus. And I do what he's called me to do. And I fulfill my purpose in in, in his life. And in my life. There's no greater high on the planet. Are you hearing me? There's nothing more manly. Than a man that stands up. And leaves his life as a legacy for Jesus. I'm tired of you men looking at me like that. Rolling your eyes at me. Come on, on, man. You don't even believe that yourself. If I didn't believe that myself, I wouldn't be here. This world needs men to stand up and do something different. Not in your own strength because that's a natural thing to do is you want to force something to happen. You want to go, I'm charging this family now. That's what you're going to go home and say. That's what we do. That's what I would do. Go and put my foot down. Maybe you need to go home and say, you know what, baby, I blew it. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try hard. And I just need you to work with me a little bit. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to do it. And you go get on your knees in front of your Savior. You go, Lord, I need some help. I need some help. And you make an honest confession. Lord, I don't know how to be a man. Lord, I don't know how to be this. Or I don't know how to be that. I don't know how to be a husband. Lord, I don't know how to be a father. You help me? And let me tell you something from experience. He'll come right alongside of you. And he will help you. And it's not a weak thing. It's a very strong thing. It's a very strong thing. It's a man thing. One of Jesus's first disciples was a man's man. He got rebuked by Jesus from trying to rebuke Jesus. I mean, you got to have some guts to rebuke Jesus. He cut a dude's ear off after he'd been with Jesus for a while. I'm not saying you need to have an ear cutting ministry, but I'm just saying you need to, you need to know that there's something great when following Christ. Amen. Amen. You got to love God passionately. It's a very manly thing to do. Colossians 1 says for everything, absolutely everything above and below visible and invisible. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. You can only lead your family when you're in him. You can only be a good businessman when you're in him. You can only be a man of God with character and integrity when you're in him. Are you with me? You can't flesh it. You can't force it to happen. You can't flex your muscles and expect something to change. You got to be in him. The Bible says that Jesus was meek. Right? You know what that word meek means? That he had power under control. You know, the hardest thing for me being a naturally big and aggressive man is to rein in my power and control. You with me? I Listen, I've had teenage boys live with me from time to time and I've, I've skull dragged them out the house. You know what that means? I grab them by their collar and drag them out the house and throw them against a the fence trying to make them change. Didn't work. Didn't work. It's found in him. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are his workmanship. We were created to do good works. Are you with me? So number one, we're going to love God passionately. Number two, once we start loving God passionately, then we can serve others selflessly. Selflessly. Many of you, and I know you agree with me, have been served two ways. You've been served selflessly and you've been served selfishly. I'll give you an example. Somebody ever give you something and come and be like, here. What do you want? You want to take it? Hit you in the back of the head. But if some of you have been in tears, somebody goes, here. God said for you to have this. You see the difference. We need to serve others selflessly. It shows up in your attitude. Selflessly. First Timothy six, eighteen and nineteen says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Rich in what? Good. Good deeds. Rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. He's telling Timothy, he says, command them to do good. (laughs) He didn't say suggest that they do good. He said, command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. In other words, they're going to lay up treasures in heaven. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Psalms 112 says this, that they share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. So we've learned two things today about forever. A righteous man will be remembered forever. And a giving person will be remembered forever. Their deeds will be remembered forever. Are you storing up treasures? Are you doing good deeds with a good attitude? But let me tell you something. Not every good deed is a good deed. Not every good deed counts in your account in heaven. Because every good deed is supposed to be backed up with some good news. Come on. It's easy to walk up to and say, here, you need a 20. But it's a little bit more difficult to walk up and say, here. God told me to give you this twenty, and He just said this: He loves you, and that He knows what you're going through. So, here you go. Which one's easier to do? Right? I know a lot of good people. I've got relatives that are good. They'll do anything for you. Doesn't mean they're going to heaven, and doesn't mean they're storing up treasures in heaven, right? Good, good news always follows good deeds. Should have wrote that down. John six twenty seven says, "Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life." Mark eight thirty five says, "If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it." In other words, if you're selfish, you're going to lose your life. Selfish equals negative. Selfless equals positive. Are you with me? Selflessness. Increases your life. Selfishness decreases your life. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. Number three, live life intentionally. Be intentional. Wake up in the morning with some intentions, some good intentions. Get yourself some good vibrations, whatever that song says. Get some good intentions. Get up in the morning and say, Lord, what can I do for you today? I want to serve somebody. Set me up. Because let me tell you something. He's in the setting up business. He'll run people into you. He'll smack their car against yours just so you can witness to him. I ain't lying. He will set you up. You're on this planet for a purpose. Fulfill that purpose until he takes you to another place. Be intentional. Leave a legacy. Don't be scared. Don't be worried about what your friends are going to say. Don't worry if you're going to lack. You see, that's what I've been going through lately. It's some fear of lack. I'll just be honest with you. Sold my company. I was was on my way to being a millionaire. One day I was going to be a millionaire. It was my goal. It was my dream. I worked hard for it. But I had this burden inside. I had this desire I couldn't get rid of. To pastor. To preach. To see people's lives change. Because that was greater than any amount of money I could ever make. And so now I sold my company and I'm sitting there going, okay, God, what does this mean? These, these are my questions. I'm just letting you into my mind. It's a scary place. Okay. Just proceed with caution. But in my mind, I go, man, I'm going to have to take a vow of poverty. Am, am I going to have to sell my place, my dream place? I mean, Lord, am I going to have to drive a, a car again? I can't keep my truck. These are thoughts. And so there's a fear of lack. And that was that was an issue in making the decision to sell the business. Because pride says you can keep running the business and run the church. And the Lord said, nope, you're going to serve one or the other, bruh. I guess so. As my kids would say, you got told. Don't let fear get in the way. Dear goodness, hang your reputation on the line for a change. Do something exciting. Since I decided to follow Christ and live out my purpose, I've walked through places I've never thought I would walk. I've helped people go through things that I never thought I could ever walk through with a person. I've been times where I've seen marriages restored. I've seen times when I've seen a man confess that he did something horrible to one of his kids. And he just wanted to do the right thing. And I walked with him to his wife when he confessed that to his wife. And then we went to the, to the detectives and he turned himself in. I sat back that day and I was like, God, what are you doing? He said, I'm showing you how I can restore people. I'm showing you, son. This is what I'm making you hungry for. I didn't wake up that morning and think, hmm, I'm going to help somebody confess today. I just said, God, what do you want me to do? Yeah, that's it. Amen. What's he calling you to do? Thank you, Jesus. How are you going to leave a legacy in the area that he wants you to leave a legacy? Because you're going to leave one or the other. That's right. It's either going to be a good one Oh, it's going to be a bad one. I want to close with this verse. Acts chapter 13 verse 36. It says for when David had served God's purposes in his own generation. He fell asleep. When did he fall asleep? When he served God's purpose in his generation. He fell asleep. I think of Billy Graham. One of my heroes. I remember being a little religious boy in the Baptist church I grew up in, listening to Billy Graham preaching. I just gave my life to Christ, and I was like, "I'm giving it again," because he was so passionate. He was so genuine. I go, man, you know what? I want to be a Billy Graham. I want to serve my generation. And then when I'm done, I just want to fall asleep. I don't want God to have to come and remove me or extract me out because I'm making things a wreck. Right? I want to fall asleep one day and God say, good job, champ. Good job. It's kind of like when you played football and you came off the field and you coach saw you working your tail off and doing what you had to do and using everything that he taught you to do. And you come off the field and this good job champ that's what I want to hear I want my kids to brag about their daddy and not have to be motivated by me send them out on the school bus and not brag about your mama daddy today right I want it to be genuine I want it to be real I'm going to say my daddy's a preacher he raises pigs and chickens and children (laughs) Not in that order, but that's what he does. And he loves God. My daddy loves God. I see my daddy reading his Bible all the time. I see my daddy praying all the time. When my mama and my daddy fight, they make up quick. Come on. We're going to Exodus. I want to leave a legacy. To those right there. You know who's going to run the next church? You know who the next generation is? It's those right there. In all of their innocence. In all of their purity. In all of their honesty. They're going to carry on the gospel. They're going to lead the lost to Christ. And then one day they're going to leave a legacy. Amen. Man, I just want to do a good job. Right? I just want to do the best I can. I want to honor them. And that pulls at your heart. I promise you, I didn't set that up. I don't even know why they're in here. But I'm going I'm to I'm tell somebody whoever did it, you did a good job. Can we pray this morning? Father, we thank you. I just want you to open your hands in an attitude of receiving something. Lord, help us to be passionate about you. It's sad that I even got to pray to help us be passionate about you, but Lord, I know that you will. Lord, I pray for this church. We'll be passionate people, Father. People that love you. We don't care about what other people think. We don't care about our reputations. We don't care about situations and what, what's going to happen, Lord. We just love you passionately, Father. And we serve others selflessly. And Father, we give all of ourselves, not just little areas, not just this little thing that we do. Yeah, God's a part of my life. Lord, I pray that we can say God is my life. He's not just a part of my life. He is my life. I'm a sold-out believer. And, Lord, I pray that we pass on passion and selflessness to the next generation, Lord. And, Father, we live in this atmosphere of, of just desperation, Lord, where we just desperately need more of you. We need more of your strength, more of your power, more of your presence more of your goodness, more of your resources to pass on, Lord. Father, I pray that we'll pass the baton well. No fumbles, no drops. And Lord, for the men in this church, I just say, rise up. Lord, I'm confident that you've made me a man of God. And I'm confident that you're making other men, men of God. Lord, I say, continue to work, Lord. To the men, I say, rise up. Rise up, not in your own strength, but rise up in the strength of the Lord. Rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit, where you take charge with a smile on your face. You run your family with grace and mercy and passion. And with forgiveness, not with rules and regulations and strong hands and frowns and and loud voices, but you run and raise your children with grace and with mercy, with meekness, with power under control. Rise up, man of God. Rise up. I love you and I thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for this word and all that you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?